Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico, the Des Moines Register. Uh, we've got three of us today in the chat. Uh, Dargan Southard has entered the chat. He's uh, our Hawkeye women's basketball beat writer. Uh, Kennington Smith, of course, as always, is with us. Uh, uh, been doing a great job with the Iowa men this year, and uh, I kind of do a little bit of both. So we're going to tie it all together, guys. First of all, uh, welcome, uh, Kennington. Uh, uh, I know you weren't feeling the greatest yesterday. How are we doing today? I'm a little bit better. <clears throat> I'm a little bit better. <laughs> a little, yeah. It doesn't sound a little, great. A little bit, yeah. Um, I think my sinuses were just flaring up. Yesterday was like a bad day. Like I'm sitting there in the men's presser, and there's like – it's already a bright room, and then there's more cameras in there because it's Selection Sunday. So I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God, can we please get this over with? My head is like pounding. So I wasn't able to stay for the, uh, for the women's selection, which was a bummer. So um, I'm feeling a little bit better today. Hopefully, by the time these games start rolling around, I'll be at, at full tilt. But, um, yeah, that's my my health update. But I'm here, and I'm ready to, to talk some hoops. Sounds good, Dargan. Um, yeah, you normally produce these, and we've done a couple, you know, like post-game football ones when Kennington wasn't there or whatever. But welcome to you as well. And um, let's just uh, – first of all, let's get started with the women's draw. Um, what – you know, did Iowa number two seed – in the Seattle, do we call it Seattle Four or Seattle Two? What are we calling this? I'm just calling it Seattle. Okay, <laughs> I I got confused because like I, I thought it was Seattle Two, and then I yeah. see on the TV it's like Seattle Four, but uh, I, they're just they're going to Seattle. Okay, so, they're going as long as they win two. But as long as they win two, correct? Yeah, we heard this morning the the I've gotten this question more than anything. Like, when do the Hawkeye women play? Well, they play at um, three o'clock on Friday afternoon at Carver Hawkeye as a two seed against Southeastern Louisiana. I'll let you take it from here, Dargan, on uh, on what the draw looks like for the Hawkeye women. Yeah, well, for starters, if you don't have tickets to those games, you better hurry because uh, the women's account put out a tweet this morning that there was already people lined up at like 7.38 a.m. to get tickets. So um, if you don't have tickets, you better move quickly. So, um, But as far as the draw goes, I, I think it was a pretty good spot for Iowa to be. You know, there was a lot of talk of, you know, would they get the last one seed? Would they be possibly with UConn if that happens, Virginia Tech? And so, you know, I think I think if they had been a one and had gotten put with UConn, which is what Cream's uh, last projection had on ESPN, I think that would have been a bit of a, a tough pill to swallow just because, you know, you, you play yourself into a one seed and then what do you get? You get UConn as a reward who seems to be rounding into form um, so, you know, for them, and then, you know, on top of that, I think if they had been the two or the one with Virginia Tech, that probably would have been, you know, the best case scenario for Iowa, I think, just because Virginia Tech's kind of new to all this being this good. So them getting with Stanford kind of feels right in the middle of those two two outcomes. And so, you know, Stanford's a team that spent a lot of the year at the top of the the polls right behind South Carolina. They've They've had some questionable losses here and there throughout the Pac-12, so um, got bounced in the conference tournament. So it's not like they've been, you know, this invincible giant that, you know, Iowa, you know, feels like that they are going to have a tough battle, you know, before the game even starts like they would with the South Carolina or something like that. So, um, but again, you know, if you if you uh, listen to the interviews from last night, I don't think Stanford was mentioned once. Uh, just because, you know, this team had the March pain hit them in the face last year um, with the with the Creighton loss. And so, 
you know, before anything in Seattle really gets started, I was got to get there and, um, you know, shouldn't have any trouble with Southeastern Louisiana. I would, I wouldn't expect that, but Florida state or Georgia, whomever comes out of that seven ten matchup, um, is, is going to put up a fight in Iowa city. And, um, you know, is, you know, I would imagine that's going to be kind of the premier game on Sunday, um, assuming Iowa gets there. So obviously that, that seven ten team, which, you know, is, is kind of looks like what a lot of seven ten teams look like power five schools that struggled here and there, but, you know, seem to, to have enough firepower to, to pull an upset. So, um, I, I think Iowa did all right on the bracket positioning, but, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's time to take care of business. So Kennington, uh, if it's Iowa versus Georgia on Sunday, are you going to be a biased, uh, biased reporter? Or are you going to be able to take off your Georgia hat and, and cover the Hawkeyes? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just kidding. We just need a yeah. scouting report on that seven ten matchup, just in case Iowa gets by Southeast yeah. Louisiana. What's the Southeastern Louisiana mascot, by the way? Um, they're the Lady Lions. Lions, Lady yeah. Lions. Okay, nothing too crazy of um, of some sort. But here's the interesting note on Georgia: should they make it? Um, Katie Abrahamson Henderson is an Iowa alum, played for C. Vivian Stringer. She was on that Sweet 16 team in 90, uh, which was her senior year, and played at Georgia also. So played at Georgia her first half of her career, transferred to Iowa for the second half. And this is her first year coaching at Georgia, was at Central Florida last season. They went to the second round of the tournament, um, won their conference. So some Iowa connections there from, from the Georgia side. So I think that'll be a really interesting matchup, getting a chance to maybe talk to her about coming back home and all that. She's a Cedar Rapids native. So um, some intrigue there should they be Florida state, but um, we'll, we'll cross that bridge. When we get there, obviously, but I yeah, won't be wearing any Georgia apparel to answer. Your <laughs> no, I know. I'm just joking. We just need a scouting for it. And that's really good stuff. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's just look at this whole Seattle four region. I'm looking at it. I'm, they're calling it Seattle four. Let's just say Seattle. Just so everyone knows, there's 16 teams go to Seattle, 16 to Greenville. I think, I think it's still the better development that Iowa goes out to Seattle. Um, just kind of avoiding, I mean, the, this Greenville regions look pretty hairy. I mean, Indiana uh, earned the number two overall seed. So they get to go over there along with South Carolina. Uh, they weren't going to be matched up with Indiana anyway, so it all made sense, right? But the you know the one seed um, in Seattle three is Virginia Tech, the two is UConn, and then of course one is is uh, Stanford and Iowa's region, and then uh, you know, Iowa the two. Interest. The other kind of top seeds though in this bracket, Dargan, are number three Duke, which I thought was interesting. Uh, for those that recall, that was right after the Iowa COVID pause last year. That, I, that Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes had a rough game over in Durham, right, and, and lost that game. And then also of note, Texas is a really good Big 12 team. They're the four seed. Um, and, you know, just just FYI, Drake is on the other opposite side of the bracket as a 12 uh, against number five, Louisville. I guess do you see this, Dargan, as, you know, obviously Iowa has to win two games. Uh, and, um, you know, Florida State is the other – Possibility. I mean, they finished fourth in the ACC. So again, these are good teams. If you take the fourth place team in, in a conference, Georgia was fifth in the SEC. But just uh, you know, you tell me: is it is, is that Duke game? Is that going to be? It could be a little bit of a challenge. Um, do you like the Duke over like if Iowa was a one and got Texas, or is it just kind of a wash? 
I, I like, you know, I obviously to beat Duke, you know, Duke's a good team. I was going to have to put its best product on the floor. But um, if you kind of look at the other three seeds that, that they could have possibly been with, you know, I, I think I'd rather have Duke than LSU. Um, they weren't going to be paired with Ohio State, but that was another team that, um, you know, kind of surged at the end of the year and, and hopped up and got a three. And then the other three, I believe, is Notre Dame. And so obviously they have a lot of, of, history and, and DAP in the sport. So, um, you know, in terms of those four number threes, you know, I think Duke is probably the one you want, but, you know, again, it's going to take, you know, if assu- we're, we're assuming that Iowa gets to Seattle, which if they don't, I, I, I think the narrative on the season is pretty clear um, at that point. So in terms of, you know, thinking about how things are going to unfold, if that happens, I think it's pretty straightforward that that would be a massive disappointment. Um, so, you know, if they if they get to Seattle, I, I think the Duke matchup is something that they can handle. Um, it'll be interesting. I haven't dove into Duke. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much that team this year looks like last year's team um, if if their key players are, are back or whatnot. So, um, you know, that could that could work into their advantage. But obviously, Carol Lawson's a, a great coach and has turned, you know, not turned Duke around, but gotten Duke back to where it, it likes to be. Um, and even in the women's game too. So, um, and then, I mean, at the top, I, I could see Texas maybe poking around with Stanford a little bit, you know, they've, they've been a team that's, you know, was at the top of the big 12, the whole season, you know, they've gotten, they've had a lot of postseason success over the years as well. So it's not going to be a team that's, you know, going to be overwhelmed by Stanford or any of that stuff. So, um, I think it's a manageable bracket for Iowa, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, they're going to have to deliver. Big Ten, maybe not, you know, a 30-point win, but Big Ten tournament-esque performances just in terms of the quality of play and all that. So um, we'll see how all that unfolds uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like this 16-team bracket, you know, to win four games, I mean, I feel like it's a more manageable path than the Big Ten tournament to me. I mean, Definitely, definitely, uh, yeah. And then you feel – and then you think about how they do the seedings. I mean, if Iowa was the top two seed, which they were, you just theoretically should get the last three seed. Does that feel like what yeah, happened here? That so, like yep. so I think that's a, a good break as well because the if you're the last one seed, you get the top four. So it's not like – there's not, I don't know, a huge difference as Lisa Bluter said. But anyway, re, uh, the reactions last night, I guess, you know, what do you expect? But, uh, you know, they seem like they're pretty focused. Lisa Bluter had a good quote about uh, – you know, we even forgot to bring the Big Ten trophy. We were supposed to bring the Big Ten trophy up here. And we forgot to bring it up. That's how much we've looked forward. They had a great practice yesterday. Uh, Kennington, I'll throw it to you. You know, uh, is what is the uh, is it Final Four? I mean, or complete disappointment here for the women? Um, obviously, Caitlin has not been to past the Sweet 16 just yet, but again, it's just her third year. Uh, so it's like a little early to be painting huge narratives, but but is it Final Four or bust, or are you know, Hawkeye fans going to be like, hey, we made the Elite Eight, but not quite the Final Four? I don't know. I'm kind of – what's the vibe you're getting there? Yeah, I think for me it's probably the Elite Eight. I think obviously you, you want the Final Four if you're an Iowa fan, and that's where the sights are set, but I think – if it comes down to the end and it's Iowa Stanford in the elite eight and it comes down to a great game, Iowa, you know, loses in the closing minutes or down the stretch. 
I don't think that any fan would look at that as a disappointing season. I think you you looked at this team at the beginning. They're a preseason top five team. They were a Final Four caliber team. You you expect them to at least play for the opportunity to get to the Final Four. I think when you look at Iowa and kind of what it would take to get to the Final Four, and you you've touched on a Dargan is like, okay, can you avoid the Yukons? Can you avoid the South Carolinas as long as you can? And it has set up for that. Um, so the opportunity is there, but obviously Stanford is a, is a great program and they're used to being in these moments as well. So they get to the elite eight. Um, I think that would constitute as a successful season. Obviously a final four, um, would be historic. It would be obviously a, a successful season, but I think getting to the elite eight would probably be my floor or my barometer as far as measuring, um, success in the postseason for, for Iowa this year. How about you, Dargan? What do you think? Yeah, I would kind of pretty much agree with a lot of that. I think matching what uh, Megan Gustafson's team did um, is important because that's kind of, well, that is the the ceiling of the Lisa Bluter era right now. And so, you know, if they, again, you know, they're going to be disappointed if they don't get to the Final Four. But, um, again, you know, if they get to Stanford and it's a close game because, you know, if you remember back in 2019 when they played Baylor in the lead eight, that was a 30-point loss. So, you know, if if it's if it's close um, in that elite eight game, then you know I think you can probably live with that if you're an Iowa fan. Now, if they now say they have like a close loss to Duke, then you're kind of in this gray area of you know, well, it wasn't the worst thing that happened. That was last year, um, but I, I would have a feeling that Caitlin and and everybody there would feel like they left a little bit on the table if they go out in the Sweet Sixteen. So. Um, yeah, I would, I would kind of put it right there. And then obviously if they don't get to the sweet 16, that's a, that's, that's an easy one to, to dissect. So, um, yeah, I would say, I would say getting to the elite eight is, I I think that's, that's a solid minimum. Yeah. Minimum is, is a pretty solid season. And then obviously anything beyond that is, is, you know, the best year that they've had in 30 years. So yeah, right. That's all, that's all pretty clear too. Yeah. So they're 26 and six, right? Mm-hmm. Got that right? Yep. Yeah. So I got to win four to get to the final four. That'd be 30, 30 win season. That'd be pretty, that, uh, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they, that's... Started, they started the season fourth in the AP poll. Right. And uh, to get to the final four would be, you know, uh, it's right there for them. It's right there for them. Um, for sure. Uh, and just so you know, Iowa did draw, even though it's, it's Seattle three and four, like, if Iowa does get to the final four, then South Carolina would be that first team yep. awaiting theoretically, as long as South Carolina gets through Greenville. Um, so it's not like it would be a, there's no potential for a South Carolina, Iowa national championship game. So Iowa would have to, to take down South Carolina at that point. Um, and the furthest Iowa women have ever gotten is the national semifinals lost to Ohio state in 1993. Dargan, you, you good, feel good talking about the men too. Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's do it. Um, the men's draw. Good conversation, guys. Uh, you know, eight seed for the Hawkeyes. Uh, let's just start there with reaction. Uh, you know, they faced number nine Auburn in Birmingham. Those are the kind of the top storylines. Like, oh, why do we have to play, you know, two hours from their campus? I don't know. Like, I are there a ton of Auburn basketball fans? I don't know. You guys are SEC guys. Uh, like, is it going to be, like, full of, you know, you know, orange and blue? Or is it going to be mostly Bama fans or Houston fans? And what do you yeah. guys expect in terms of uh, – that I think it'll be a good Auburn contingency. I think Bruce Pearl has done a good job of igniting that fan base. Um, they made 
I believe, a deep tournament run previously under his tenure. I mean, last year they had two lottery picks in Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. So they um, there's interest there in the program. So I think the Auburn will have a pretty good contingency of fans out there in Birmingham for the game. So I think the whole this is going to be a, an unofficial road game or whatever for Iowa, I don't think that's an overstated narrative. I think convincingly there will be more Auburn fans there um, than people supporting Iowa. So how about what about this, Dark? I'm going to throw this at you. Um, of all the one and two seeds in the men's bracket, okay, because we all thought Iowa would get either eight, nine, seven, or ten, somewhere in there. So you knew they were going to be matched up with a one or two. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go down the line of all the – so the ones are Alabama, Houston, Kansas, Purdue. Obviously, they're not going to get Purdue. The twos are UCLA, Texas, Arizona, and Marquette. I mean, of those eight, I don't know. I feel like Iowa paired off pretty decently here. I mean, I'm not saying Houston is definitely beatable or anything, but I don't know. Like, they got the Sasser, Mackie Sasser injury, right? And um, I don't know. It's like it's doable, right? Like I wouldn't have wanted to get Kansas in Des Moines. <laughs> no, no. Uh, even if it was in Des Moines. Yeah, I think you know. I don't know how many people are gonna pick. You know, if Iowa does beat Auburn, I don't, I'm not sure how many people are gonna pick them to beat Houston. But I do think that of all the options that you mentioned, that one seems the most manageable, or the or the maybe the least overwhelming. Um, just because you know, again, Houston is is also kind of new to this being, you know, this good, this good, you know, a one seed caliber program um, under Kelvin Sampson. So that one seems, seems manageable, but, you know, obviously, you know, I was going to have to put again, you know, we we've seen what I was best product looks like and it can pretty much handle just about anyone, but we we've also seen what their worst product can look like. And it's, you know, it, it could be a double digit exit, you know, in, in round one. So um, it, it feels like, you know, we were talking about this last night, just trying to visualize what could happen travel wise and planning all that. And it's really difficult for this team and all the Iowa men's teams that they're all kind of in this gray area of like, well, they've played well enough to, you know, beat a team like a Houston, but they've also, you know, played pretty poorly at times. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how you get to an eight seed. Uh, yeah. Iowa favored by one point, Kennington. What do you think of the matchup against Auburn? This is going to be a really interesting matchup. When you look at Auburn's team, they're kind of like the they're like the inverse of Iowa. They are not a great offensive team. They're not a great shooting team um, from the field. Not a great three point shooting team. Not a great free throw shooting team. But they are a terrific defensive team. Um, they have undersized guards which can limit them offensively and defensively to what they can do. Obviously, Iowa has bigger guards with Aaron Euless and Tony Perkins, both 6'3 plus, you know, in that 200-pound range. Um, Auburn's a team that will play 10 deep into their bench. They have 11 guys who have played um, at least 24 games this year. If you look at their minutes per game, they have, you know, they're going to go 9 to 11 on their bench. Iowa obviously has played a shorter bench this year than they have last year so there's a lot of differences between these teams I think that for Iowa the question is going to be can they execute in the half court against Auburn's stingy defense they're going to have a lot of different guys that they can throw at Chris Murray they're going to have guys that they can throw at Philip Arracha in the post 
a lot of it's going to come down to Iowa's backcourt and their ability to initiate offense or, in some cases, score on their own against an undersized Auburn backcourt. Um, you know, rebounding is going to be really big. Both teams that, that like to take it off the rim and run and play in transition. Um, Auburn's going to be a team that attacks downhill. So that'll be a, a huge test for Philip Obracha and Chris Murray. And staying out of foul trouble is also going to be a big thing because if, I, if Auburn is attacking downhill, if they get him into foul trouble and Joshua Gundelay and Riley Mulvey are going to have to play minutes and Auburn smells blood in the water, then they could get a little hairy for Iowa as well. So really interesting matchup. But between these two, I'm going to have um, a little bit more of an in-depth preview coming out. But that's just kind of the um, the initial thoughts on this matchup. And to the previous question about what, who they could have drew, drew in the second round, if you're going to be in Birmingham, you'd much rather play Houston than Alabama. That's, no, that's, yeah, that's exactly that's, the great point. That's a, great huge, point. that's a huge win in itself, okay? Yeah. You're would you rather play Auburn in Birmingham? Would you rather play Alabama in, in Birmingham? Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a really tough matchup for Iowa. So I think that they, uh, while it's not, um, you know, the best scenario, the most advantageous of the two possibilities, mm-hmm. Iowa definitely got the the better draw in that regard. Yeah, if you look at the other eight, nine in that, in the Birmingham, uh, what do we call this? Like pod or I don't know. what <laughs> The Birmingham thing. Uh, Maryland versus West Virginia. So Joe Toussaint, there was, uh, you know, I, I think Iowa would, I think Maryland would love to trade spots with Iowa, you know, to be honest. Um, yeah. And Maryland had, you know, a little bit better season than Iowa. So I think, I, I agree. I think Iowa got a little bit better draw. But let's look at the whole bracket, Dargan. I mean, hey, they're in the Midwest region. Uh, <laughs> that, that does not happen that often for Iowa. They usually get sent out west or out east or something like that. But if they were to make a Sweet 16 run, lo and behold, they would be playing in Kansas City next week. Um, you know, with the four seed, <laughs> Indiana, who, you know, which I was swept. And then, you know, also in this bracket is Drake at, at the 12. So, I mean, some interesting – I mean, we could see an Indiana-Drake matchup in the round of 32 – with that winner facing potentially the Houston Iowa winner. So it's a really interesting draw. And then you look at the bottom of that Midwest bracket, you got Xavier and Jack Nunji at the three. You've got Iowa State at the six. Um, you'd really some interesting storylines here potentially, especially if 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 Iowa could get to a regional. It's a, it's a really interesting Midwest region. So are you calling an Iowa Drake Sweet 16 matchup right now? Are you are you in Kansas City? That would be in Kansas City, man, that would be something. Um, I, I did find it interesting that all three of the Iowa teams are were kind of flung out, you know, randomly to Birmingham, Greensboro with Iowa State, and Albany with Drake. Yet, if they can take care of business, they get to come, you know, bring it all back home to Kansas City. And, you know, you got to figure if any of those three teams are there that there's going to be a ton of fans, you know, obviously we, we know what Iowa state does at Kansas city. Drake's not close, but I think Iowa would have a, a ton of supporters there in Kansas city. Um, especially if it is against Indiana, um, you know, the way that, that those two programs, you know, run up against each other all the time. So um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, this is the time when you can kind of visualize those crazy scenarios or those, you know, interesting storylines, how they all mesh together. So um, it it would be interesting if if even one of the three Iowa teams made it back to Kansas City, much less you know multiple of them. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, just going into the reaction last night um, from the Iowa men, uh, we talked to Connor, we talked to Philip, we talked to uh, Chris, so kind of the veterans of the team. Uh, this is a team that, you know, it's 100% opposite of last year because last year they won four games in four days, tons of momentum, super tight turnaround for a Thursday game. And now it's the opposite. So which is better? I mean, I honestly think now that they're in, I mean, if they had won three games, let's say, and got to the finals, I don't know if they're going above a seven seed anyway, uh, Kennington. So, you know, you might as well take the extra rest, right, <laughs> in this case. And, uh, you know, you just got to be hot either way. So uh, I don't know. I don't mind it now that I was in um, that they didn't do much in the Big Ten tournament, even though the momentum's lacking. Yeah, for sure. And I think I, I'd have to go back and listen to the audio, but I think Fran McCaffrey said something about the team getting healthy in one of his answers. But I don't think anybody asked about team health like in, in his answer. He just kind of uh, maybe went out of the way to note that there were some guys who got a chance to get a little healthier over these next few days. So I think that that was a, an advantage for Iowa for sure. I think that um, and we talked about this after the presser and you kind of wrote about this um, in your column that. Iowa does do better when their backs are against the wall this year. Um, there have been several examples, you know, losing streaks, coming back, getting big wins, coming back from large deficits where they kind of get into this like fight or flight mode. And that's when you kind of see the best of this team. I think that's been one of, if not their best quality this year is that the, the team has just been resilient. And this very much feels like a situation where that resiliency can be put on display. They don't have a lot of momentum. They don't have many expectations. And they're going into a game in the opposing team's home state a few hours from their campus. It definitely feels like a back against the wall kind of like us versus the world type of situation. And that's what Iowa's played really well this year. So I think that um, while it's not ideal on the surface, it is an opportunity um, it's something that may be tailor-made for Iowa to, to play well because that's when we've seen them thrive this year. I think, obviously, the players, from their perspective, they wanted to play into Sunday. They wanted to repeat as champions or, or play for um, a championship. But all things considered, I think that this does set up um, pretty favorably, favorably for them to have um, a, a decent showing in this first um, opening pod. Uh, Dargan, now, for those that don't know, Dargan is kind of a Tennessee fan, I would say. Do you watch Tennessee basketball before I ask you this next question? Yes, do I do. Okay. They've, been, okay. they've been very painful to watch this year. <laughs> uh, so the, here are a couple scores of note. So I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, uh, Auburn defeated Northwestern 43-42 to 42 earlier this year uh, somehow. And then later in the season, Spit out lost, that to score. lost to Tennessee 46-43. to 43. Yet the over-under for this game is 153, and they play a lot of high-scoring games too. So you tell me about this Tennessee game against Auburn that was 46-43. Uh, like, how do you make sense of this Auburn team? <laughs> well, I will say, I will say, Tennessee plays about as differently as Iowa does. You know, they're I, I would I would equate Tennessee to like a better Iowa State. You know, a, a defensive first team that. Um, you know, has offensive pieces, but they're not always very consistent. And so that kind of all culminated um, in that game uh, in Thompson Bowling Arena. So um, I don't know. It's Auburn's kind of been in this position where they, you know, they started the year, 
you know, with, you know, thinking a lot of people thinking they were one of the better teams in the SEC, they kind of did what, you know, again, a lot of eight and nine seeds do. They, they show flashes of brilliance. They show moments of, you know, incompetence and, you know, you, you kind of all put it together and, and this is where they're at. So um, I, I think, I really think a big key will be who can get the game to their style the quickest. You know, if Iowa, you know, gets its way and can can run and, and push and transition and hit shots and all that, then, you know, Auburn doesn't really have the offensive firepower to match that. And on the flip side, you know, if Iowa can't hit anything and gets in one of those ugly games, maybe not quite in the 40s, but um, – you know, something in the 50s or the 60s, then, you, you know, you got to feel like Auburn is probably okay with that. So um, an interesting contrast in styles. And, you know, it, it seems like, you know, in these NCAA tournament games, whomever can get the game to their comfort level the quickest is often who wins. And so that'll be a, a very interesting and important challenge uh, in this one. Uh, the women's tournament is sold out, by the way. Carver Hawkeye, they announced that around right before we went on the pod. So, uh, FYI, if you're listening, didn't know that yet, and you're trying to get tickets, uh, you have to go secondary market. Um, so that took about an hour to sell it about out. An hour, yeah. And I'm sure it was would have taken less if it was like humanly possible. <laughs> but, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, last thing, Kennington, and uh, we were kind of debating whether to bring this up or not, but let's do it uh, because. You know, we'll have our Wednesday radio show and um, there'll be Wednesday availability in Birmingham. So maybe that maybe we can plant the seeds here a little bit. But you talked about something the other day and I kind of agree with you, I think. Um, is it time to change Iowa's starting lineup? Uh, you, you see this and at Dargan, I know you're a baseball fan, too. So we can we, you see a shakeup of a, a batting order, for example, in baseball, even if it's going into the postseason. And sometimes it works. It sometimes it works. And we saw this last year that Fran McCaffrey hardly ever changes his lineup, but they finally did last year putting Perkins in that kind of sparked the team. Right. Um, and that's what, you know, there was a, there was legitimate tangible evidence that the Perkins lineup change affected things as I went 12 and two down the stretch. So Kennington, is it time to change the starting lineup now going into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I, um, I did bring this up. And I would seriously consider it. And the lineup that I would go with would, would be the lineup at the beginning of the season, the very first starting lineup, which is Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford. If you, I wouldn't be mad either way with Patrick or Connor starting at the three. So I would, I'll leave that option open. Chris Murray and Philip Abracha. For me personally, and Dargan just alluded to this in his last point, I think you've seen Iowa's offense, um, you know, kind of struggle a little bit, particularly. Um, in the in that backcourt these last few games and this very much feels like a game where you want to come out guns blazing offensively if you can set the tone get up early and, and kind of put Auburn away I think that putting your your firepower on the court at one time to start the game would be advantageous to Iowa and that was ironically the pushback that I had at the beginning of the year with that lineup is you're putting your five best offensive players on the court at at one time where is the firepower on the bench going to come from? Um, but I, I feel like this is one of those, like you want to come out, set the tone early and and start good offensively and then kind of worry about everything else on the back end. I think, you know, Fran is going to do what he has to do to manage the lineups. But I feel like this is a, is a situation where a shakeup, 
Um, while it is probably unlikely, I think would be a good thing for Iowa and something that, um, you know, he should consider, um, you know, Peyton Sanford has definitely been one of the better plus minus players on the team. He's shown an ability to, um, you know, stabilize the offense and get things going when he does have the shot opportunity. So I think that that's something that he should, um, he should consider. Yeah, I would go, I would stick with Connor in the lineup. Um, and put Sanford in for Ulis. That's what I would do. I think because you got to have you got to have some offense out there. Right now, Ulis isn't giving you anything on offense, and and Connor isn't either. So that takes that puts a lot of focus on Chris Murray and Philip Robracha and uh, and Tony Perkins to an extent, right? Um, at least I think you start you know start Sanford. You got four offensive guys out there then: Perkins, Sanford, Murray, and Robracha, and then Connor's kind of your dish guy. Frankly, I think that's their best five. And then you can still bring Patrick off the bench for offense. So I don't like I don't like starting Patrick because then you just you're just bringing in non-offensive guys off the bench. Um, what do you think, Dargan? Uh, from afar, shakeup time and uh, you know Fran never changes the lineup, so I'm not counting on it. But uh, seems like you want Sanford out there. Yeah, and again, you know, with in this particular matchup with Iowa's, you know, if if they can get off to a hot offensive start and put you know, Auburn in a 10 point hole in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the game. Um, and then you can kind of ride that cushion, you know, against a team that struggles offensively, you know, all the time. So I think in this matchup, it makes a lot of sense to get Sanford out there right away, just because he's shown when he's on, he can, you know, really kind of ignite a run by himself. So um, I think with the important, I mean, it's always important to start quick in the NCAA tournament, but I feel like in this matchup in particular, it's even more important just because, you know, you could, in theory, I mean, obviously you got to play well over the 40, 40 minutes, but if you, if you put Auburn in a, in a hole in the first, you know, 10, 12 minutes, then you got to feel pretty good that, you know, that might be enough if, if you can just, you know, play even the rest of the way. So um, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, just, just given the matchup and, and what Iowa needs to do to, uh, to take this one. And one thing that I would add to that is Auburn small backcourt. They they do have trouble rebounding the ball, especially limiting offensive rebounding. To put Tony Perkins and Payne Sanford out there could be a huge uh, rebounding advantage for Iowa. Bigger guards, you know, Tony Perkins and Payne Sanford, both willing rebounders, guys who will crash the boards. Um, those two with Connor, Chris, and Phillip there's going to be a lot of opportunities for offensive rebounds and second chance points against a good Auburn defense. Good analysis. Uh, let's put a pin in it there unless you guys have final thoughts. Uh, uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, you get a fresh start every March. Uh, if you can get in, the hardest part is getting in over 30, what, 30, what's Iowa, 19 and 13. So got to get a 21 season here, right? So you got to win at least one. Kennington. Yeah, I'd say so. Got to win one. Got to win one. Yeah, I say so. I mean, um, it's been it's really, really interesting to kind of see like the different ebbs and flows of like the expectations of Iowa's <laughs> season this year. It's like at the beginning of the year, they weren't really thought of very well in the preseason media poll. I think they were picked like ninth or eighth or something like that. And they started off pretty good. Then they went on a skid and people don't think they're going to make the tournament and they start playing well. And people are saying, oh, well, if Fran doesn't go to a sweet 16, we need to fire him. And now they were, you know, could have got to a second seed, then they dropped down to a fifth seed. It, they've just been kind of all over the place. But like you said, it's a um, new season, new opportunity for Iowa. I definitely think you want to get to that 20-win mark 
And um, there's there's an opportunity there for Iowa, again, to advance to the Sweet 16, just like last year. Um, I think last year obviously was like the more clear, easier path with Providence and um, yeah. in Richmond. But there's still this year for Iowa to at least make it to the, um, you know, to the round of 32. And then at that point, if Sasser's not playing for Houston, then um, you never know what, what could happen. But obviously that's way cart before the horse they got to deal with um, with Auburn on Thursday. And that's going to be a really interesting matchup. Yeah, it'll be tough. Uh, so 5.50 p.m. on uh, TNT uh, Friday or Thursday night for the Hawkeyes. Jim Nance gets the call for, for this one. So thanks, guys. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I think we can probably safely say I'm confident in saying I'm going to guarantee an Iowa women's victory Friday. I'm going to guarantee it. So we can safely say you're going to have some Iowa basketball through the weekend, the women playing on Sunday at some point. And, of course, Saturday, Spencer League potentially going for his fourth national title. So really busy week at Hawk Central. We will talk wrestling on our Wednesday show. Uh, thank you, Dargan, for joining us on this long. You know, we don't usually have the third voice here, but it was fun to, to get you on here. March. Thanks for joining us. March is fun. Yeah. <laughs> and Kennington, uh, thank you. Hope you feel better soon. We'll get you, you know. Go lay down, take some uh, ibuprofen, and uh, we'll recalibrate uh, for our Wednesday radio show, all right? Yeah, sounds good. And um, I like that um, three-word headline from Dargan, March is fun. <laughs> yeah, let's have fun with it, guys. There you go. All right. All right. For Kennington Smith and Dargan Souther, this is Chad Lystico of The Register saying thanks for joining us on this YouTube Hawk Central chat, and we'll talk to you next time.